Want to make God laugh? Tell her your plans. Here we go. We're going to get kooky. <laughs> Hip, hop, hop, hap, happy, hippie, witchy, not bitchy, witch, witchy, witch, we do it every day. Hey, magic with a K. Treating naysayers to some sass. Teaching witch haters they can kiss our as above, so below, so we go to know, to dare, to will, to be. Shh. Magic's not a destination. It's our natural orientation. Magic's who we are. Made of space. You're a star. Magic's what we do, me and you. What we do? Hippie Witch, season two. Man, that was a good one. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 470 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. Do you think it's weird that groovy is my word of the year? Has your 2020 been groovy? (laughs) 2020 has not been groovy for me, but I will say that the word groovy has been a kind of call to action And at this point, at the end of September, what it's come to mean to me is ah, being present, being fully in the moment so that I can go with the flow of whatever each moment calls for. So I do not get drugged back into the past, which sometimes fills me with sadness or regret, although I do... Love me some nostalgia. I can hang out in the past, too, for a very long time and get really cozy there and just set up house with some pillows and my memories, my rose-color memories, looking back on the past with rose-color glasses (laughs) and only remembering the good parts. That can be very, very cozy, but also not great to live there because I have dreams. I'm trying to create the kick-ass life of my dreams. It's not good to escape into the past like that. And then on the flip side, we have the anxiety of focusing on the future, which I think for a lot of people we're experiencing this year as extreme uncertainty. Life itself is uncertain. And we are getting a stronger dose of that in 2020 in many different ways. So for me, groovy, groovy, be in the groove, be very flowy has actually turned out to be helpful. I've never worked with the word of the year that it has not turned out to be helpful. So there's that. Do you work with the word of the year? What was your word for 2020? We should do a 2020 word of the year Check in. I hang out mostly on Twitter. If you're on Twitter too, tell me, what is your word of the year? And how has that played out for you in 2020? I thought that I would have returned to Instagram by now. I thought I was going to return to Instagram in September. (laughs) I actually had it in my date book, but as the date 
approached. I was going to return on the autumn equinox. Happy belated autumn equinox to you all if you're in the southern hemisphere. Happy belated spring, spring equinox. But as the date approached, I was like, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it because I am already trying to do too many things. I've gotten into a groove, into a sweet spot with Twitter and Patreon. Part of Patreon is Discord, so we kind of have our own private social media over there. If you're hanging out with me over on Discord, please tell me what was your word of the year for 2020 and how has that played out for you so far? So far, we've got like one quarter of the year left, so it might be a good time to just pause and reflect on that, and maybe even take the word of the year a little bit deeper as we go into October and November and December. But at any rate, the calls that I do with coaching clients, being the Zoom manager for my kid, in addition to, if you guys don't know, if you're new here, I am the single mother of a young man with a fairly severe version of autism. Like I shave his face, I help him brush his teeth and wash his hair, and then of course make his food and do his laundry. And he helps as much as he can, but he's usually, before 2020, he was in a program. So I would have a window of time to work on my business when he was gone, when he was gone from whatever, like seven-ish something in the morning when he would get on his cab and then he would come home in the afternoon. So that's when I would schedule my coaching calls. That's when I would do the podcast. That's when I would work on my business. It worked out perfectly. Now I'm trying to do all of that with him here and... I feel guilty. I think this is really common to parents. If he's just sitting around by himself because he has autism and the way autism manifests for him is as a social disorder. He finds it hard to connect with people socially. He does not have friends. Nobody's coming over to play with him. We don't have neighborhood kids knocking on the door. It's just me. I'm everything to him and our cats, me and the cats. (laughs) And so... I will often be busy like working on something and I'll see him sitting by himself and I will feel bad about that. So I will stop what I'm doing and go hang out with him. And I want to be fully present to my kid when I'm hanging out with him. I don't want to be sitting there scrolling Twitter and I don't think it's enough to be in the room with somebody. People need to know that they're seen and that you're fully present to them. And so we've been working on puzzles and watching TV shows together, but like interacting around those things, like talking about what we're doing. We have little dance parties. We go on a walk every night. So I'm doing that. And then I have a program that I'm looking forward to launching in October. I finished my novel this summer. It was a very long process. And I'm excited and eager to, you know, get back in the swing of things. But there's never really a good moment to do that. And thinking about adding one more thing, even if it's just social media to the mix, I just find incredibly overwhelming. So it's like, not right now, Instagram, not right now. The thing I find overwhelming about social media 
is people because I love people. I do not like to ignore people. And what happens on social media is people, they show up in your DMs. Truth be told, I never really used my DMs on Instagram. I didn't even know how. So I was sort of happily ignorant of whatever was going on over there. (laughs) Because I never, I was just like, I don't know how to access my DMs because I access Instagram from my computer instead of a phone. So that was nice. But also people tag you and then they say really nice things and you don't want them to think you're ignoring them. And I'm a big old Libra. So that's an issue for me. So I take all that on, right, if I show up to Instagram for some reason. It's so personal. People are posting pictures of their babies and their dogs and their gardens and their altars, and it's lovely, but I feel like I have to be super present for people when when I'm doing something like that, and I just don't have the emotional or the mental bandwidth for that right now. And Twitter feels different to me for some reason. It feels more... Here's a conversation that's just going on and we're all having this conversation together and people pop in and out of it and it just feels more transient in a way that I can get with. I enjoy it. So that's where I'm at right now with that. And I also, just one more thing about Instagram too is I do actually, I'm trying to dare myself to show up and not feel that... Libra responsibility. It's like a faux responsibility. I actually don't believe that people are like, why didn't Joanna like my post? Or I tagged her. Why did she ignore me? I actually don't believe that people are doing that. It's just kind of a hang up I have. So I'm thinking like, what if I just sort of rebranded? Like I'm just here to provide content, but not social interaction. I've kind of been standing on the precipice of that. Like, what would that be like? What would that be like? So I'm working through the shadows of that thought for myself. One of the shadows is people will think that you're a selfish asshole, Joe. (laughs) It's called social media. You don't just show up and start like telling people things. It's about also listening. So the way that I'm looking at it right now and thinking about it, I need to be at complete peace with this before I engage. I do not want to show up with any like conflict within about it. But the way I'm looking at it is, well, if I just show up and I'm providing value, if I'm providing valuable content with the intention of brightening someone's day or giving them a useful tool, that could be cool. That could be cool. And then maybe I could be one of those people who in my bio says, DMs are closed. I actually don't want to put that in my bio. (laughs) Can you just close your DMs? I don't know. Willful ignorance is fantastic. When people know that you're not technologically inclined, you're like, I don't know how to see my DMs. Sorry. (laughs) So that's just a little something that I'm working on right now in the back of my mind, kind of thinking about. And it really ties into this idea of internal pressure and the pressure that some of us put on ourselves to achieve or to show up in the world in a certain way or 
to be a value or to be useful to other people. I definitely have a service-centric mindset, even if I'm creating something frivolous. It's like, at least let this be entertaining to other people because otherwise, what's the point? And so part of what 2020 has brought up for me is really staring at, staring down this internal pressure and being like, well, that's a bunch of BS. That actually doesn't need to be there because that's not serving anyone and it's definitely not serving me. I can look at all kinds of different aspects of my life and see the way that this internalized pressure is so centered on other people's experiences instead of my own. I actually think I'm pretty good at navigating that and being aware of it. It's something that I have long been aware of as kind of just a way I torture myself, a little bit of self-torture. We are now in the season of Libra, and since we all have a little bit of Libra inside, you probably don't have as much as me because I've got a lot of Libra going on. (laughs) It's not only my sun sign. I have a lot of Libra going on. But I think this is a good thing to perhaps explore right now in the season of Libra. Like, what are the things that create this internalized pressure for you around what other people think or the way other people experience you? And can you set yourself free of that? It's interesting because once you set yourself free of one thing that creates that kind of internalized pressure, it's amazing how it's like, It pops up in another way. Shadows are so like this. Shadows are so like this. I am very late at getting this podcast to you. I thought this podcast would be... I don't even know what this podcast is going to be. I'm just chatting off the top of my head right now. I have overwhelmed myself with notes. Because at the top of September, I wanted to do wrapping up season two kind of thing where I talk about the first six months of quarantine life and what that's been like for me. Here in LA, we have been on lockdown. Tanner and I have been in a state of lockdown for most of the six months with a few little exceptions, a few little excursions that we've taken. We took one to Descanso's Gardens. We took one to go swimming in Bakersfield. But otherwise, we have been home except to run to the grocery store or to go on our evening walk. It started in March here. And, you know, when we leave our house, we are supposed to wear a mask. Social distancing is a big thing here. A lot of our businesses are just completely closed. Those that are open, it's limited capacity. I think it's like this in a lot of places, but here, specifically where we live, it's particularly strict. And I have decided to err on the side of overcaution because of all the mixed messages, because of the not knowing, like even the experts don't actually know what's going on. So not only is there misinformation and infighting, but also they're still trying to figure it out. So my whole philosophy is just err on the side of caution. And if people think you're being ridiculous, that's way better than being dead. That's how I see it. So that's kind of been my approach to the whole thing. So I 
have been taking notes on this massive podcast that I wanted to do for you, like sharing all the things that have been helpful during this time. And I just wanted to create this value-packed episode and it just turned into a hot mess of notes. I don't even know if I'll open them up and look at them because it just overwhelms me to look at them. <laughs> I'm ready to move on to season three. I have this season three theme song that I'm all excited to share with you. And I've recorded quite a few interviews. I know for sure that season three is going to be amazing because I've already recorded some of the interviews. I have interviews that are scheduled it's going to be awesome. I already know. I already know because I already have created some of the content. So I'm eager to get to that. So I'm just like, dude, just show up. Literally nobody knows about this gigantic file of this amazing value-packed podcast that you want to make. <laughs> Probably nobody cares. Just show up and say hi. And I'm thinking about you. So that's what we're doing here today. I'm just like, hey, this is a pressure reliever for me. And I just wanted to reconnect with you and kind of shoot the shit about oh, 2020 quarantine life and hopefully talk about some things that will be helpful. Truth be told, it's always helpful to share your personal experience in an authentic way because the chances are if it's true for you, it's true for somebody else. When you show up and you tell the truth, it resonates because I think we're all more alike than not when it comes down to it. And so that's just going to be my personal little pressure reliever here. So that's just kind of my my theme right now for my own spiritual journey. And this podcast is very much, this podcast episode specifically is very much a part of that. Something that I've been riffing on on Twitter. I've gotten very serious about my Twitter account. Speaking of internal pressure, I'm like very excited about this new direction. I want to take Twitter. I've realized, ooh, I can actually create like micro content here. And it's really fun. I super enjoy it because if the content lands, if people find it valuable or useful, Awesome. And if they don't, cool. I can just move on and and tomorrow is a new day. I guess I like that about the transient nature of it. It's pretty pretty interesting that way so I can just explore a theme and I don't feel like I have to write like an in-depth blog post or an ebook or do a podcast or a video. I can just sort of riff on an idea and one of these ideas that I've been talking about here and there is inner liberation. So one day I wrote, inner liberation is a witch's life's work. That feels more true to me this year than it ever, ever has. And I just took a little break from Twitter because this is something that I do a lot now. I just take breaks when I feel myself getting overwhelmed by all of the noise going on in the world. I just... I'm like, time to check out. Goodbye, everybody. I'll be back later taking a little decluttering, a little mental decluttering break. So I pop back in today after a little mental decluttering break. And what inspired me to do that was a quote by Thich Nhat Hanh, whose name I'm probably mispronouncing, but I love the man. He's such a beautiful spirit. He said this. This is a quote from him. 
There are things you've been hanging on to that really are not useful and deprive you of your freedom. Find the courage to let them go. I read this in regards to inner freedom. The things that we hold on to, this inner pressure that I'm talking about, they deprive you of your freedom. You don't feel free. It's like holding your heart hostage or your mind hostage. If you're like going through an old conversation in your head or worried, did I say too much? Did I offend that person? That is a violation of your inner freedom. And it actually does take courage to let it go. One of the ways I find to be really helpful to let that go is to talk about it, to just tell somebody or to even write it down in my journals, just to say, I am struggling with this or wow, I just noticed I do this thing. In saying it, it somehow like whoosh, dissipates the energy. Just get it out of you. Get it out of you and put it down on a piece of paper, put it in the air, speak it to somebody and let it go. So I I shared that quote and then I followed it up with a little statement of my own, which is inner freedom is the first freedom and the one that makes possible your ability to enjoy all others. So it does not matter if you live in a free country. It does not matter if your job affords you a lot of freedom. It doesn't matter if you're financially free, if you're not first free inside, if you don't give yourself inner liberation and inner liberation is a process. That's why I say work. This is why we do shadow work. This is why we uphold the principle of know thyself. This is why we journal. This is why we explore our dreams. Because really, I think what we're trying to do is set ourselves free from all of the programming and noise and nonsense that locks us up inside. So... Woohoo! I hope that this episode today might might at least be that for myself, but I hope it's maybe getting the wheels turning for you in terms of like asking yourself like where could I set myself free a little bit? And then to acknowledge if that actually requires courage. Does it require courage to step away from a relationship that's maybe gotten toxic? for you because you are thinking about this person obsessively and arguing with them in your mind, stuff like that. Or you can't stop looking at the news because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop or you want to see like, oh my God, what's the... What's the next horrible thing that that person is going to do? You don't want to look away because you're afraid you'll miss it. That is a trap and a half and a lot of people are stuck in it right now. So... If I can only use this episode to encourage you to examine that and then also just to maybe sit with why does it take courage to let this go? That's so strange and so interesting. That might be that that would make me feel pretty good. I have to say I'd feel pretty good about that. Segment two. Segment two. What? Here I am two or three days, a few days after recording the part that you just listened to, to record a part two. And then there's going to be a part three, because now I know exactly what I want to do with this episode. I'm just going to scrap 
all connection that I have to this idea that I planned for. I planned to do this mega quarantine special and I have run out of time. This happens to me a lot, which is why Saturn is still such an important archetype to me. It's a guiding archetype because I see Saturn as father time. You may see Saturn as grandmother time, but for most people, Saturn has something to do with time. And because I'm such a planner nerd, it's really easy for me to actually put a plan on paper. I kind of love it. I could just do that all the time. Like I can see the whole thing beginning to end and it's so exciting and it all works so perfectly, except there's only one of me. And as far as I know, science has not come up with a way to create clones. I don't have it in my budget to hire a team to implement my plans, so I often end up having to dramatically cut them back. 2020 quarantine life has been a lot of this. It's been a lot of this, and this month in particular, because I am taking a week off, I needed to pre-record some content that I will be posting on Patreon. I post on Patreon every weekend and then some. I usually host at least one live something rather on Patreon, and then I I post a new piece of content every weekend. And so it's kind of ironic and strange that in trying to take a week off for my birthday and my son's birthday so we can go on our annual birthday trip, I was really doing double time when I actually didn't even have the time to do single time? What's it called when you're just going at a regular pace? (laughs) For all the reasons I already explained here. So this last week has been hard. It's been hard and it's been a lesson in compassion fatigue, which I will talk about here in a second. But what I've decided to do with this episode is kind of smush two episodes together. So I'm just going to scrap this whole idea of this mega quarantine something rather. Maybe I'll do it another time. I don't have to throw it out completely because there are fun things that I wanted to share. Just the things that I've enjoyed, the things that have made this period of time fun for me that you might want to check out too. Music and movies and just silly things that I do with the kids, stuff like that, that's made it enjoyable in some ways. You know, how do you find your joy in a time of such social upheaval? And clearly we're all going through some kind of shift. The world is changing. It's never going to look how it looked before this all happened. We are all now in the process of chaos It's that period of chaos before something new emerges. It's the dark void. And I'm trying not to spin out about that and to stay very, very calm. So this segment two is just going to be me probably riffing on compassion fatigue and introducing my friend Nicole, who will be segment three, because I recorded an interview with Nicole. She is a fellow planner nerd. And she was kind enough to participate in the Battle of the Planner Nerds that I hosted on Patreon this month. (laughs) I 
am now an affiliate. I have finally signed up an affiliate account for all the different books that I have mentioned over the years. I've never had an affiliate account. And so I finally signed up for one. I'm going to start with Amazon Associates because I'm an Amazon customer and that's almost always what I link to. I do not suggest anybody ever use my link if you hate Amazon. I know why. I understand. This is just where I'm starting on my journey. I'm very excited about it. I've only created a few links so far and shared it on on my blog, but mainly for Patreon. And I've already made almost $20. <laughs> and I started it in August. So it's silly, but not. There's something really fun when you're tracking such a micro amount of money. It's just like a tiny amount of money, but there, I don't know, I'm getting a kick out of it. It's just, it feels very innocent and fun and exciting. And it's a way that I play. And I've been thinking about different strings of income. One of the things that this pandemic has done for me is really brought me to a point of wanting to take my financial literacy to the next level. And so in my spare time, instead of hanging out and doing things that I would usually do for fun, I've actually been having fun studying finance and investing specifically and real estate and all these things that I actually don't know where I'm going with it. I'm just looking to raise my financial awareness so that I can make good choices going forward because I think 2021 is going to start showing us some of the economic fallout of what's happening right now. And then I have a feeling the years after that, it's going to be more of that. And I don't want to come on here with with doom saying that I'm just saying it's a good time to prepare and to educate yourself. And that is what I am doing. And I'm thinking about, well, how do I create multiple streams of income without creating extra headache for myself? And so this was a fun way that I could do that, something that's not that hard to do. And like I said, I'm getting a kick out of it. I think what I'm going to do is take that income and invest in ETFs, specifically index ETFs. So I can basically invest in index funds in little micro amounts. Since I'm making micro money, I thought, oh, it would be really fun to make micro investments and play around in the stock market in a small, safe way that I think will be great for learning and enjoying a little bit of compound interest, the magic of compound interest. Years ago, when I first really understood the power of compound interest, that's when I then shortly thereafter wrote The Rich Witch, which talks about compound interest because I was like, oh my God, this is money magic. This is amazing. (laughs) So this will give me like a fun little extra basket to play around and reward myself for just a small little extra bit of effort. And so this is what happens when I don't have notes, but also it feels so free in my brain. I just talk in a circular fashion and hopefully I end up closing all the loops I open. The one that I just realized I opened and did not close was saying that 
Part of this episode will be the Patron of the Month interview with my friend and fellow planner nerd, Nicole, a.k.a. Hexapeel. Hexapeel. How cute is that? Hexapeel1987 on Instagram and Twitter. What happened is... Every year, every fall, every year, I turn into an over-the-top, super-excited planner nerd. I start talking about planning because, like I said, I love a good plan. I love to plan. I think a lot of people enjoy planning and that the real trick, the real magic, the real power is in executing the plan, which is you know, what kicked my ass in September and what has been kicking my ass all year (laughs) is trying to execute all my big fat plans that look so beautiful on paper. But anyway, I got this affiliate account hooked up right around the time that I discovered the legend. The legend planner is maybe my dream planner. There was a lot of yelling the day that I found the legend planner Because I work with something called the 12-week year, which is basically a quarterly process with a mindset. The mindset of a 12-week year is that every week represents a month. And it's kind of framed as get a year's worth of stuff done in 12 weeks. Eh, That's a big claim. I don't really hold myself to that, but I have found that I can get more done and I feel more focused when I'm working with a 12-week year. It really forces you to prioritize and get super clear on your intention. There's a tracking component involved. So I've been working with a 12-week year for a very long time and it really was the archetype, the energy of Saturn that I believe led me to this book called The 12-Week Year that got me on this track, which I love. It suits me very well. And this planner is, it's a quarterly planner, so I can do it with a 12-week year. And there is kind of a desire mappy component to it. So you're tracking each week, like each week's goals, but then there's like a reflection on, you know, who serves your goal and who is a person that you maybe should avoid because they're a dream killer and they always bring you down. And, you know, who do you need to be this week to meet your goal? What kind of actions do you need to take? It's that kind of stuff. There's a monthly overview. And something that's really important to me is there's a full page for every day that I need in a planner. And then the cover of the planner, there's different colors. I got the rose gold. I got the rose gold. I feel like rose gold might be going out of fashion very, very soon if it hasn't already. And I was like, let's just have one more flirtation with rose gold before it's super passe. (laughs) So I picked the rose gold and it's embossed. It's really beautiful kind of cosmic energy, but at the center of it is a clock. Time. Hello, Saturn. Hello, Saturn. Thank you very much for this beautiful planner that goes perfectly with the 12-week year that you also introduced me to. And then there's like inspirational quotes that are scrolled throughout the embossed illustration on the cover. It's so damn pretty. So I was all pumped and excited about talking about this planner and using my affiliate link for other people who are like, yes, that sounds awesome. I want to try it too. When I saw that my friend Nicole, 
had just become an ambassador. It's called an ambassador when you represent the passion planner. She, you have to apply to be a passion planner ambassador. And so basically she's my competition. But because I love my friends and I love my community, there is no competition really. I want us all to succeed. So I was like, well, heck, if you can't beat them, join them. Her planner is beautiful. The passion planner is equally beautiful. You could put them side by side and you would go cross-eyed trying to make a decision just based on the look of them. They're both really beautiful and appealing. And so what I did is I decided to create this battle of the planner nerds. I have to say it like that. I have to write it in all caps. And if I say it, I have to say battle of the planner nerds. (laughs) And I spent like an hour creating this graphic on pick monkey of us like in battle to promote the thing on Patreon. And then we did it live where her and I, she actually, I'll I'll, I'll let you find out how that went when you listen to the the interview that's going to post here. But we battled it out. We had kind of like a faux fight over who has the best planner. And then we just opened it up for people to share what their favorite planners are. And we all just had a chat about it. There are some beautiful, beautiful planet planners on the market today. So that was a whole lot of fun, I have to say. And somehow in my mind, this really goes well with me talking about the way that this, I keep calling it the quarantine life. I know not everybody has been on quarantine this whole time, but I have, my son has a compromised immune system, as do I, not to the degree that he does, but I've just been really, really cautious, as I already said. And so we have just been the two of us at home, like almost all the time. And then my social life is basically online. I kind of live for the live events that I do. Because then I get to see people that I love, and there's no hugging and high-fiving, but we can laugh, we can see each other's facial expressions and and have conversations, which I also get to do with, with the coaching clients that I work with, and I find that so necessary for my soul. It feels like a win-win because I feel like I'm serving, I'm creating value, but also it's something that brings me a lot of joy and gives me some semblance of a social dynamic. I like I like talking to people about their dreams. It's like my favorite thing ever <laughs> besides working on my own dream. So I get a lot out of that. And uh, something that I just want to mention to, I guess I should thank the new patrons. There's a big, long list of them. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention my thoughts on compassion fatigue because that came back up for me this week when I was trying to cram and get all this content done but not ignore my son. I have an elderly cat named Stanley. I cannot talk too much about this because I will start bawling my face off, but I made plans to have Stanley. He's a he's a super senior. I found out when I Googled it. He's 15. He's 15 years old, and that means he's a geriatric cat now, and that, that is sometimes referred to as a super senior, and he's so super. He deserves that title. We love him dearly. I made an appointment with the vet to have him, to help him pass on this morning, and then we didn't do it. I did not take him to the vet. I did not 
I could not take him to the vet because, of course, what happened is after I made that appointment, I broke the news to my son. I told my mom. I told my dad. I told my very lovely friend, Phoebe, who's such an animal lover. and She was so supportive. Thank you, Phoebe, if you're listening. And then, of course, Stanley, he started doing really, really well. He had two great days where he was not suffering from all the symptoms that were concerning me so much. And again, I don't want to get into it because I don't I don't want to cry. It's very deep. So I know we don't have much time with him, but I feel like we have a little bit more time with him. And the neighbor that helps me take care of my cats when I go out of town, he is going to really step it up while we're away, which I appreciate. And yes, I always pay him because he deserves to get paid for scooping cat poop. Who's paying me for scooping cat poop? I would like to know, which does tie into this idea of compassion fatigue. So anyway... I was hustling my butt off all week, and then this stuff happened with my dear beloved cat. And the more I fell behind, the more anxious I got, and the more resentful and angry and rage-filled I became, which is always a very bad sign because I love my life. I love my kid. I love my cats. I love my, my business. I love my business. I love people. So I always know when I get to a place of resentment, it's time to make space and to pull back. And what's funny is I had already done that. I took a Twitter break. I took time off Twitter because what happens when you present yourself as a helpful person and you're like, I want to create value in the world. People start lining up. They're like, can you help me? I have a problem. And That's lovely, but also it becomes a burden. There's like a, it's a double-edged sword, like all things are, you know, polarity is real. Hello, if you pick up the stick of being helpful, there's a beautiful thing about that. And the consequence can be compassion fatigue, especially if you're a full-time caretaker like I am. I will probably be that for the rest of my life. And see, this is something that will make me cry too, but I'm going to cry through this because it's really important to say this to those of you who are caretakers. If you are an essential worker or you're one of these people that goes around trying to save all the animals, this is something that's really common in, in animal lovers, people who try to save all the animals. And it's really common in like single parents that are working a full-time job and trying to take care of their kids. You do hit a point where you're taking care of other people at your own expense. And sometimes it feels like a trap because... There's no way out, right? You have to pay your bills. So you have to keep working in the service industry or whatever it is for you, or you have to feed the cat or the cat will die. Or, you know, you have to give your kid extra special attention because they need, it's a real need that they have. And, uh, but then at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, who, who has me? Who's got my back? Who's taking care of me? Right. And I mean, I can't tell you how many nights I just like crash into bed. Like, oh, (laughs) when I get into kind of a situation like I got into this week and luckily 
I have a lot of awareness around what compassion fatigue is. And I have developed a system for like, when you notice the signs showing up, these are the things that you do. So I would encourage you, if you're feeling overwhelmed, resentful, if you feel that a rage or anger or like nobody ever is going to have your back and you're doing everything yourself, that you might be suffering from compassion fatigue, definitely Google it. There's some great TED Talks on compassion fatigue that, that you might find useful. And the answer is really not that compelling because it's really just a lot of self-care. Make time for yourself. It's like all the things you know. One thing that I find very helpful is to write from the voice of rage. It feels like taking pressure off my heart. So I'll be like pissed, for example, at one specific person who I think should be helping me and is not helping me. And I will use them as a focal point and I will speak to them from the voice of rage in my journal where I will just sit there and like spend five pages in my journal telling him exactly what I think about that. And I notice I get to a place where it's coming from my heart. You know, like I, I'm crying and the tears are flowing and I'm getting it out and the handwriting is a hot mess. It's super, super sloppy. But by the end of it, I feel light. I feel relieved. This is the same kind of thing that can happen, you know, screaming, <laughs> screaming into like a pillow or hitting a pillow or going on a drive and rolling down the windows, making sure that you're like way out in the country where nobody can hear you and just being like, ah, this is why rock and roll. This is why like heavy metal or like really like thunderous music can be so important and healing. You know, I was in a punk rock band and that often confounds people when they meet me because I'm super girly looking and the way that I dress and the way that I behave. A lot of people mistake me for a kind of love and light, spiritual bypass, all the things kind of person. And I'm so not that. I'm not that. I wrote all the songs for this punk rock band because it gave voice to my anger. And I think something that's important to note if you find yourself feeling compassion fatigue is, yes, reach out for help. Or if somebody is taking advantage of you or pushing your boundaries, you need to stand up for yourself. But before you can do that, I think it's really helpful to get the poison out, to get the rage out and, and to relieve yourself of that so that you can make a very pure clear-hearted decision about what the best action is to take because I find like rage to be a bit of an intoxicant it, it feels like burn it all down <laughs> it just feels very destructive so if I can get it all out then I can be like okay what is the wise thing to do in this situation if I really want to change this what is the clear-headed, heart-centered thing to do. Because the last thing I want to do is add regret and guilt on top of all the other emotion that I am feeling. So if you have compassion fatigue and it's manifesting for you as 
irritability or emotional outbursts or self-harm or a problem, maybe with addiction, something like that, I definitely would find an outlet for that feeling first with the intention that you're going to make a different situation happen for yourself. You're going to make new choices. You're going to make new decisions. And then, of course, yes, self-care. Find time to take a bubble bath and go on a walk. Do something for you. It's amazing what working out can do, something physical. But again, like it's hard to find time to do that when you are juggling so many things. And some of us just are by necessity. You know, like I said, being a single parent, it's like you are the income provider. You are the emotional support person in your kid's life and or whoever you're caretaking for. It could be an elderly parent. It could be a sick friend that you've taken responsibility for, or it could be a whole menagerie of animals that you've adopted. Like those needs have to be met by somebody and you have appointed yourself that somebody or the universe has appointed you that somebody. So... For a lot of us, we feel it's not a good option to walk away because the alternative is horrifying. You know, we we love who we're taking care of and we would not abandon them. But again, like you don't want to abandon yourself. If you're listening to this as a person who you're like, I do not have compassion fatigue. How intriguing. <laughs> but you find yourself dealing with someone who does Oh, let me tell you what you can do to be helpful. It's nice. I do have those people that will notice me kind of feeling like that or struggling and they'll reach out and be like, are you okay? That's nice. I like when people do that, Uh, but it can only, I only like when they do it so far. You know, if I say I am really busy, I am exhausted to me, like that's the end thank you for checking on me. I'm super busy and exhausted. Like I will work this out. But what often happens is the person will do a number of things. They'll try to give me advice, which I am not open to receiving at that point. I don't think unsolicited advice is ever a good idea. And I have to catch myself because I can be an unsolicited advice giver sometimes. So I do understand what drives people to do that because I myself am often tempted to do that because you just want to be helpful. You want to be helpful, right? But also is to like ask a lot of questions about their situation or to try to keep the conversation going. Like don't make them have to put up a boundary with you and be like, I'm busy or leave me alone. (laughs) Because usually people that get compassion fatigue, this is a Libra thing too. This is definitely a Libra shadow. We are nice People, We love people and we often put other people above ourselves, their needs above our own, and we don't like to hurt other people's feelings and we don't like to be rude. And so sometimes we can have trouble just being like, leave me alone. If you want to help me, leave me alone. Because we know most people can't hear that in a way that is not confrontational. Most people will take offense at that. So don't push them to the point where they have to be like, leave me alone. I told you I was busy. The end, the end. (laughs) So if you want to be helpful, if you notice somebody is, is struggling that way, you can reach out. It's super appreciated. It's super nice. But at the same time, like 
just let them know you care and you're there for them, but don't actually try to like force them into having a conversation with you or something like that, or give them some advice when they are just the last thing they need is somebody else's input into what they should be doing, because it's the shoulds of life that can often run somebody ragged. So that's that. I definitely wanted to speak to that. Uh, Another thing that I find helpful is, as, as a person who does struggle with this from time to time, is just listening to people talk about compassion fatigue and reminding myself I'm not alone. This is something that a lot of people feel. And this is something that a lot of people are feeling this year, especially, especially this is a really intense year with COVID-19. And it's something that the whole world is going through together. So if we could just be very, very gentle with ourselves and each other, I think that would be great. I also think that it would be great to thank the very, very nice people who are making the Hippie Witch Podcast possible. The Hippie Witch Podcast will be coming back with season three shortly with brand new interviews. I really want to get back into the swing of things before the year ends. So that is one of my goals for the next 12 week year, which will be October, November and December. I feel like I worked a lot of crap out in in the middle six months of 2020, and I want to take the last three months to apply what I learned and to be able to show up here and, and get back into a rhythm with doing these podcasts. And I'll just say across the board, it's the patrons who make that possible. And I also just love these people for forming this kind of behind the scenes community with me and doing the live events like the parties. The Beltane Ball was one of my favorite things that we've done so far. We did something called a come as you will be party. We did two. We did one last August And it was so awesome that we did it again this August and we have a book club going. It's just a lot of fun. So thank you to anybody who has ever been a part of that. And if you want to be a part of it, it's literally just $1 to join. Of course, there are other tiers that are higher, but I always try to provide great content for the dollar tier. And also you get to be a part of the book club and the community over on Discord. I like to have a very low entry point that way because it's just a nice little paywall that people who genuinely care about me and enjoy this podcast have to hop over to to me make it kind of a safer space than just sharing everything with the public it's just a little teeny tiny paywall that makes it more secure in my mind and allows me to speak more freely And also it makes me feel great about how it does that for other people to be, you know, to have our own little private social media over on Discord, because a lot of people, a lot of witchy people are still in the closet. So I really appreciate that. I want to say thank you to new patrons. This episode is not going to be posting for quite a few days from now, so... If you just signed up and I don't say your name, I'll say it on the next show. But let's thank new patrons. Nicole Raina Handler, Jennifer Kilburn. Hello, welcome back, Jana and Elizabeth. Savannah Cook, Brandy Van Neville, Ella Christopher, 
Patty, just Patty. Hello, Patty. Samil, oh boy, Ganges. I don't know how to say her last name, Samil, but thank you very much. Greg Chandler, Marion, Aaron, Christy Farr, and Lisa Bergerson. Thank you, thank you, thank you all for supporting the show. Make sure that you go over and hook your account over, hook your account up over on Discord so you can join the community and hang out with us because it's a good time. And without any further ado, let's just roll right into this interview with Passion Planner Ambassador Nicole Lynch. Nicole Lynch, aka Hexapeel 1987. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> How are you feeling after your beatdown yesterday? Oh my God. What are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you try to rub that in my face? Did you not see that I graciously conceded on Twitter? I did see that. I was laughing so hard when I saw that this morning. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's just going to have to get smushed into the beginning of this because I'm going to do an official. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Okay. That's it. I'm ready. No, that was it. That was your welcome. Oh, that was it. I'm happy to be here. Yay. It's so fun getting to talk to you today because just yesterday we did the battle of the planner nerds. And yeah. I was and I was victorious. It's so rude that you would say that on my <laughs> podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> I was. I'm, very- I'm just telling the truth, Joe. Just telling the truth. <laughs> so, for people who don't know, I am obsessed with this new planner I got called the Legend Planner. It's what I'm going to be using in 2021. I was all set to start hyping it everywhere because I have an affiliate link for it, and then. I saw that Nicole has a kind of similar situation going on with a very adorable planner that I totally would buy if I wasn't obsessed with my planner, and it's called the Passion Planner. And I was like, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. Let's have a battle. And I invited her to come have a fight with me on Patreon over who has the best planner. I feel like you cheated. I do. I feel like you cheated because you really were like doing this whole heart-centered, purpose-driven thing. And I was like, here's how this works intellectually. (laughs) You know, you got to play to your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really who (laughs) you are. You are a very heart-centered person. I don't think you would ever describe yourself that way, but you have a a lot of heart and you gravitated toward the passion planner because each different color, this is so cool. I would love you to explain this. Each different color is they give you, you say it, you can say it better than I can. So each, each planner, there's a different color attached to each planner and they have weeklies, they have academics, they have dailies and they have undated. And so there's a couple releases per year of each of those categories. And they always have, you know, like four or five and they have different colors. And each color has a dedicated charity that money is taken from the sale of every single planner. And then it's donated to that charity. So 
Um, for example, the planner that I'm using at the moment is the the yellow one and a dollar from every single sale goes to the pencils of promise charity which is about helping kids get the schooling that they need in underfunded communities there's another one that it's a forest green and it's for conservation and the environment and they've got some new ones that just came out on the 17th and they go towards the arts For children, they go towards water, making sure that people have clean drinking water in underdeveloped countries, the Malala Fund. So it's just, it's the coolest thing. It's really what drove me to buy a passion planner because I already had a planner. But when I saw the charity work that they do, I was like, well, I have to support this company. It's so great. And and really, it was not fair because I didn't know that before the battle. <laughs> Although I, I had nothing. I did not. I, I could not. I would have known ahead of time that you were going to win. I was talking a lot of smack about how I was going to kick your butt. And for people who don't know, this is all tongue in cheek. It was all love. <laughs> but Nicole is a really fun person. So she really went along with it. <laughs> and... And then she shows up with this little tidbit of information. I was like, well, how can I fight with that? I don't even know what to do now. It really threw me off my game. To be fair, I did send you a picture of the list of bullet points that I had created earlier in the week of what my talking points were. So you had time to prepare, and I guess you just got intimidated. I didn't get intimidated. I'm a very busy witch on the go, okay? Okay? I'll I'll give you that. (laughs) You know, I want to talk about the Passion Planner because you are a Passion Planner ambassador now. And this is, I want people to actually know why I wanted to have you on the podcast beside that. It's really not that. I think that's fun because I am a planner nerd and you are maybe even a next level planner nerd. You buy like multiple planners. So we will circle back on that. But what I want to actually ask you about is something I've been curious for a very long time. You are, you're a witch, but you're a pagan. Like I, I feel like that's a little bit different. I don't know if you would define it in different terms, But for me, like a pagan, it takes a more like earth-based spirituality approach. It's not necessarily about like manifestation and things like that. That's kind of how I divide it in my mind. But what I love about you and what I've seen you do year after year after year is every time a pagan, a witch has a new book, you're, you're promoting it. You're like, I bought this thing. I love it. I took this course. You're always amplifying these voices And it feels like it comes from such a generous, genuine place. And I'm wondering why you do that. Is that intentional or you're just excited and you're just talking about what you're excited about? Well, I'm a huge book nerd. Books are basically my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to go to the library when I was a kid. I'd ride my bike and I'd take two backpacks with me and I would fill them up with books, you know, until I could hardly zip them. And then I'd take them home. And then about a week and a half later, I'd go back and get more. So I, I love to read. I will read anything. And when I discovered um, witchcraft and paganism, you know, I started reading everything that I could. And back then, 
I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Fast forward, you know, 20 plus years and there's social media and I can connect with other people um, and talk about these books and maybe introduce them to um, authors that they haven't heard of yet. And so I, I really like promoting writers because I love to read. I want everyone to read. And if I can help connect someone with a book that's going to help them with their spiritual path, then that's just a huge plus for me. And then I just like talking about books. (laughs) Oh, I I feel that. (laughs) I feel like it's a slippery slope from being a book nerd to becoming a planner nerd. I feel like one sort of leads into the next. (laughs) Absolutely. When I was in school, they gave us planners in junior high, you know, because we were supposed to track our assignments and stuff. I never tracked my assignments, but I loved having a planner. And then it just kind of escalated from there. Mm. It's only been in the last probably four years that I would say I've gone to the dark side of planning where <laughs> what, I, is the dark, <laughs> what is the dark side of planning? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I should mention it because it is, it is a rabbit hole. Um, well, now you have, I, to. I am obsessed with, uh, I guess it's called like hobby planning. Um, I do all the stickers and the washi tape. I have, the most amazing pen collection you've ever seen. My husband and I joke that if I sold some of my boutique pens, I could probably make our house payment for one month. (laughs) I have a planner meetup that I was doing pre-COVID. And then uh, my friend and I, um, shout out to Brie. She is my, my planner nerd bestie. We have planner dates. We get together, you know, pre-COVID, we meet up at Starbucks or whatever and have coffee and ooh and all over each other's planners and talk about stickers and, you know, how best to make our planners work for us, you know, and it'd be like four hours later and both of our husbands are calling and texting saying, when are you coming home? This makes me (laughs) so happy. This, I mean, I'm just happy that you exist. I think it just is like, (laughs) you know, I feel like a lot of people listening probably feel like I do is like, where do I get a friend like Nicole? I want to sit in a cafe obsessing on planners for four hours. (laughs) Hey, just, just uh, find me on Instagram and I will talk to you about planners for hours and hours. <laughs> Hex Appeal. Hex Appeal. So cute. 1987. Why 1987? Please, I'm so scared what your answer is going to be. Because that's the year I was born. Oh my God. I'm going to throw my coffee across <laughs> the room. <laughs> so let's see. You were born in 1987 and you've been a witch for over 20 years. I started practicing when I was nine years old. Um, wow. I, Why? I found, well, so I, I had heard, you know, witchcraft, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hmm. And there was this new thing called the internet. And so I started, you know, logging on to my grandparents' computer, mind you. I come from a very conservative Christian family. My great-grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher and he actually baptized Billy Graham when he was a small child. We have photographs and then there's me, the, you know, tree hugging hippie 
practicing witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like the sparkly web pages, you know, and they're like, this is how you do spells and this is how you become a witch. And I was like, well, I love spooky stuff. Uh, this is for me. And I remember the very first spell that I did was a healing spell. And I was asking my brother, I was like, do you have a headache? He's like, no. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have a headache? No, Nicole, I don't have a headache. I think you probably have a headache. You know, I I can fix it for you. And he's like, oh, maybe I do have a headache. So I do this healing spell on him. Of course, it doesn't work because he doesn't have a headache. (laughs) But from that moment on, I was hooked, you know, and I, I live in a very rural area. So I was always very much the black sheep, not only of the family, but kind of my community, but I just didn't care. It was cool. I liked it. That's like soul resiliency you were born with. I think to discover this at nine, (laughs) being from a really, you know, I was much older before I ever dared say the word, word witch in a favorable way. I, you know, I, I used to say I have witchy hands, but I meant it as an insult. I always hated my hands. <laughs> but then I thought back to that later when I started calling myself a witch and I was like, wow, I always used this in a derogatory way when I was referring to myself. And it feels really different to say it as a label and an empowering label. A nine-year-old doing that? I mean, what? Your soul must have just landed on this planet and been like, I'm going to F it up. (laughs) (laughs) And have fun. You seem like you're a joyful person, I think. I I have a lot of fun. Um, I really like to tease and joke. Not everyone always gets my my sense of humor, but I think I'm hilarious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I, I remember at a very young age, sitting in, in our living room and I was, I had my hands together and I was like, in, in my mind, I was like holding these invisible like balls. And I remember telling my mom, mom, can you see the things I I'm holding? Like, you know, I'm, I'm moving these things around and she's like, Oh, uh uh-huh. That's nice, honey. Well now, you know, looking back, I'm like, well, I was working with energy. That's what I was doing. I remember you know, doing that kind of stuff all the time, like astral travel and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been kind of a weirdo and this just helps me find other weirdos. Oh, weird must stay, my friends. <laughs> I, you know, I always, yeah. I've always known that I was a lot older than you. I don't know what that works out to in math because that's not my strong suit. 14 years-ish or so older than you, more than a dozen years. I've always known that, but you have been a part of this world longer than I have the witchcraft. And so you bring wisdom to it. Like when we're talking on discord or something, you'll, you'll reference like, Oh, back in the day when Llewellyn was doing this. And you know, when I discovered all of that, it was new and exciting. So I was backtracking and learning like who Scott Cunningham is and things like that. But you have, you have a couple of decades of knowledge base. How long is, has it been for you since you were nine and you started up? Well, I'm, I'm 33 now. So, well, don't make me do math. Everybody listening, do yeah. your own damn math. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't do math unless I'm at work or I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's the only time I do math. Oh, that's another thing that we have to talk about. <laughs> this is why I created, for people who don't know, I was very proud of the graphic I created on Patreon to promote our Battle of the Planner Nerds. This is why you had the wizard hat. Because Dungeons and Dragons. I gave you a pointy wizard hat because I wanted the witchy top hat. And so you got the wizard hat. So what is up with the Dungeons and Dragons? And also you have to circle back to what I asked you about paganism and witchcraft. Are they the same thing to you? Okay, I'll take the, I'll take the D&D question first. Let's that's go quicker. D&D. D&D first. Okay, so... My husband and I, we met, oh, I think I was 21 and he was about 26 because he's five years older than me. And we met through a pagan meetup group. He actually was involved with someone else. They were dating and then they got married and I was at their wedding And then fast forward to four years ago, he was divorced and he worked at the movie theater here. And, you know, so we go to the movies all the time and I'd always go talk to him and, you know, nice guy, always very friendly and pleasant. And then things started to change and I was like, oh, he's pretty cute. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out if he was single or not, if he was dating anyone, because he never posts anything on social media. So I came up with an idea of how to find out if he was single, you know, instead of just asking him directly. And I, I arranged a Halloween party and I invited all of my friends and then I invited him. I was like, Oh, you can bring your plus one, you know, if you want like your girlfriend or whatever. And he's like, Oh, you know, that's, that's nice. I don't have a girlfriend. I'll, I'll be there. Well, by the time the party rolled around, we were dating. Oh, sneaky, so, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> very sneaky. <laughs> Maybe not. But, he pro- Does he ever say, I, I knew what you were doing? He, it took him about three weeks to figure out that I was flirting with him. Ah. So, no. <laughs> but he... So we would we were dating and stuff, and um, he was never available to hang out on Monday night. And he was like, well, I go, I go play D&D with my friends. And I was like, what's D&D? And he's like, you know, he explained it. And I was like, oh, man, you really are a nerd. And he's like, yeah, I am. Well, you know, we, we're dating and stuff. We move in together. And I think it wasn't until it was a couple months before we got married that I finally was like, you know, I want to try this because we want to have kids someday. Our kids are probably going to be nerds. And I need to know how to play this game because we're probably going to be playing it with our kids. (laughs) So our friend who um, he DMs, he was like, yeah, we would love to have Nicole play. Let's, you know, get a, get a little game started. So we played and I was hooked because again, referring back to, I love books. I love stories. It's basically an interactive story. You know, you get to play all these cool characters. You get to do magic and battle and, you know, figure all these things out. And it's just so much fun. I've been playing for a little over two years now. 
I have more dice than my husband does, and I'm always creating new characters. So that's where the D&D came in. It was, it was my husband's fault. A witch who plays Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. I, f- I feel like there are people listening who are like, yes! <laughs> if, you lo- <laughs> if you love D&D, go find her on Instagram and you can talk about it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Are there a lot of women who play? Because I always think of like, I usually, when I think about this, I think of nerds, of course. And I always say nerd life is a good life. I always mean nerd as a compliment in all contexts, always. But I think of nerd boys, like in a basement. Yeah. So the group that we play with, there are two women, me and then my friend Bree. And we've had... A couple other uh, women play, but at the moment, there's just us two, and then her husband, my husband, and then two other male friends. And it can be very male-centric, but more and more women are getting into it, which is a lot of fun. One of the things that kind of helped me really get into D&D was there's a show on Twitch. Uh, It's an internet show. It's called Critical Role. And it's a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Um, And it's so much fun to watch, you know, because they're all voice actors. So they, they do the fun voices and everything. And the DM, Matt Mercer, is just one of the most amazing storytellers that I have come across. And he has a great cast. And so I think that that has really helped, one, propel role-playing games into kind of this, like, cool thing to do. And it's also helped women get into gaming. Yeah. So it's basically group storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interactive. Um, this makes so much sense because you love magic and you love books. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the movie? Was it called Onward that came out? Yes. Right before? Yes. You, I loved it. Yes. Not everybody did. It was so cute. We we watched it and like halfway through we had paused it, you know, for a break. I think the baby woke up or whatever. And I turned to my husband and I said, oh my God, it's just like D&D. He's like, I know. I knew you would like oh, it. Oh, it was totally. <laughs> it was definitely supposed it to was. be that, but without... Oh, yeah. Saying it overtly. That is a cute, exactly. very magical. I loved it. We saw it in the theater right before theaters got shut down. <laughs> it was like maybe the last yeah. movie we saw in a theater this year, but so cute. And, and then, then the pagan thing. Like pagan, pagan. Am I a pagan? Some days, I don't know. I don't know what I think about all these labels. I still try to come to terms with witch often. Like it's... It's charged. And what does it mean? But yeah. what does pagan mean to you? Well, I, I don't use that term very, very much anymore to describe my spiritual path. I consider myself a polytheist. So I, I believe in all gods. But then I also am an animist because I believe that all things have a spirit. So... I kind of go between, you know, oh, yeah, I'm pagan or, you know, I'm polytheist. You know, there's all these different P words to describe yourself. 
Um, but that is very much for me, my religion. It's my, my faith, my spirituality. I have several deities that I work with. I am devoted to Hecate. She is a Greek goddess and I have been working with her since I was 19. Um, I've had a few others come into my life over the years and it's, it's a very intimate relationship. I believe that the gods come into our lives to teach us things. Sometimes they're there for our entire life. Sometimes they're only there for a while, you know? So for me, it, it's difficult because it is combined because I, I am a polytheist and I am a witch. So I'm always doing things with intention and with a magic focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also will just, you know, sit and pray. I had a very difficult pregnancy and delivery last year. And I can tell you, I was praying all the time, all the time. Just, you to know, Hecate, help me get just the universe. Like, who do you pray to? I typically pray to Hecate. She is the one that I walk with. Uh, she's, she is my, my patron deity. And, you know, I just constantly talking to her. And then after my son was born, when I would put him to bed at night, you know, I would always say a prayer to her over his crib, you know, and just keep him safe, watch over him. For me, it's, it's very much combined, but I don't, I don't think that I can separate the two very well. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are people that are just witches or they are just pagans. You know, they, yeah. they celebrate the Sabbath, they worship their gods, but they don't do magic. And then there's witches that are secular that they don't talk to gods. You know, that's, that's not in their wheelhouse at all. So for me, I've always been a very religious person. I've always believed that there is something other than ourselves out there. And this is just the flavor of religion that, that really spoke to me. There was a moment in my journey where a friend's dad died very early in my witchy journey. And she witched it up around that, like her spiritual faith really came to the forefront with that and she sent out like pagan cards for whatever the the sabbat was and I got one and it made me cry because I felt her faith and I had never experienced that before from somebody who wasn't a Christian I I was like mm-hmm. this is deep this is real to hear you talking about praying to Hecate over your baby's crib hits in the exact same way you know, especially knowing that you grew up in Christianity, because I think when push comes to shove, everything flies out the window, except, you know, that true connection that you have to source or the universe or whatever it is for you, like everything gets Mm -hmm. pushed aside and you just get real clear on how long have you been working with Hecate? I know we're going over time, but I have to ask, like, when did this start for you? Because that's a really intense I feel like that's a goddess you can walk with for a lifetime, but it's an intense goddess also. Yes. So I 
started working with her when I was 19. I had two mentors that I was studying with um, and she came to me then and was like, you're mine. And I was like, okay, I'm yours. And I dedicated myself to her and we've been together ever since. For me, she's very much a, she teaches you the hard lesson. I haven't always had the most easy life, but I feel like with her, she has taught me fortitude and strength. And she also just doesn't put up with bullshit. And so I've kind of taken on some of those aspects in myself. And it's, it's a very, it's a very intimate connection with her because I just, every, everything in my life, I connect it to her. You know, I, I feel like she's brought me these things, like these friends that I have, you know, she's, she, she brings a lot to me and my life. Um, and so I just always want to honor her and give thanks to her for everything that she has brought to me. Um, I don't know if I would be as strong of a person without her. So I, I appreciate that a lot. It's such a nice combination. The playfulness and the joy and the fun that you carry I feel like perhaps your walk with Hecate is facilitating that because it's about boundaries. And when you're confronted with hard things, the way that develops you, the way that develops your self-esteem and your confidence and your priorities, and that can lend itself to fun and playfulness. I mean, it'll put you through some shit, but it can really like strengthen your spirit in a lot of ways and get help you get really clear on what matters. And that can be really important in finding your people. Yeah. She, she definitely has taught me a lot of about discernment and it's funny because, you know, I come off as, as a very confident person and I, I am for the most part, you know, we all have our days where we think, you know, low of ourselves, but I, I stand tall, I walk straight, I speak my truth, and that doesn't always win me favors with people. Mm-hmm. Um, my my workplace, the HR person has referred to me as the queen bee, which <laughs> I I take she, I think she means that it's kind of a dig at me, but I take it as I I don't put up with bullshit. I speak my mind. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. You you don't have to like me. Your patron is literally the queen of witches. Yeah. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense, Nicole. <laughs> I can't let you, I cannot let you go until you answer the infamous question. And you can answer it however you like, whatever comes top of mind. Like what is one tip that you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Hopefully magical, because you're such a magical person. (laughs) It would be to live for yourself and live with intention. Don't live for anyone else. Don't live for making other people happy. Follow what your heart says and what your soul says. And it's not always the easiest life, but it will be a true life. 
I have lost and gained many friends and family members because I refuse to back down and not be myself. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the easiest, but I, I wholeheartedly believe in living for yourself and being intentional in what you do in your life every single day. Absolutely. And I really want to clarify for anybody that might jump on this and be like, that's selfish. Nicole's an amazing, devoted mother and wife and friend and supporter. Like we said, like all these authors, it's not about selfishness. It's about respecting who you are and standing in that truth. Yes. I I had a teacher several years ago that um, she always told us, you can't pour from an empty well. You have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of those around you. And I have always taken that to heart because if I'm running on fumes, I can't take care of my baby. I can't, you know, be a partner to my husband or support my friends. So I have to take care of me before I can put any more energy out into the world. So Mm -hmm. that's the way I see it. Okay. So for people who want to connect with you because they think you're super groovy, which you are, where should they try to do that? You can find me over on Instagram and Twitter, and they both have the same handle. It's at hexappeal1987. That's at H-E-X-A-P-P-E-A-L-1987. And I'm always posting witchy things and book things and planner things and just having fun. Yes. This is not a business either. I just want to say for people listening who don't know Nicole, this is just a very cool witch. (laughs) So if you want to make a friend, Nicole's a good one. Also, I have one more quick question before I let you go. How much do I get if I use your ambassador link? How much, what's my discount? You get a 10% discount off of your order if you use my ambassador code for the Passion Planner. Full disclosure, I do earn a 10% commission off of that. So um, if you use my my link and my code, I do earn money off of that. So far, I've had two sales. Shout out to my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun to buy something from someone knowing that they're going to get a little percentage. I get a kick out of that. Yeah. Well, and especially since I didn't even expect to get into the ambassador program, I was shocked. Um, And every time, you know, I, I log in and do my little thing. I'm like, this is so cool. I get to like talk about planners and maybe earn a couple bucks. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking about planners with me over on Patreon and then letting me drag you over here on the podcast. I appreciate you so much. Of course. I was happy to do it. It was a lot of fun. Yay. And there we have it, friends. The final episode of a very long, drug out, disjointed season two, but we do what we can. We do our best, right? (laughs) I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show and the very nice emails that you send. I really do appreciate you all. Happy fall. Fall is here. 
the greatest time of the year, at least for the Northern Hemisphere. Happy spring to those of you in the Southern Hemisphere. Until we meet again, it will be season three when we meet again. Much love to you. Oh, and there'll be links. There'll be link. There will be affiliate links and ambassador links and all the links connected with the show notes. I think you'll have to hop on over to my website for that because you all have informed me that the links don't show up on your phones. So... Speaking of, you know, trying to do all the things, I actually don't have the time to try to make the links work on everybody's phones. So if you care about the show links, they'll be on my website. They will be at joannadevoe.com, and I'll just link to that from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, all the places where the podcast shows up. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.